It's time for the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Shondell Grand. And right now, we've got a huge selection of brand new Mazdas with exciting spring incentives across our entire lineup. Plus, you can buy your new Mazda completely online with our exclusive no-brainer checkout. Don't miss the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Welcome to the Stanley Cup Playoff Report. Here are Dan Rusinowski and Drew Remenda. Welcome to Episode 2 of our Stanley Cup Playoff Report. Drew's got the day off, so let's get right into all of the action that happened in the Stanley Cup Playoffs. Let's start with Edmonton versus Los Angeles. The Kings managed to get a victory in game number one against the Edmontonians, which certainly was a shock to all of the fans in the stands. You could just sense it when they came back in. There was a little anticipation and expectation that the Oilers would be able to get their mojo back. And similar to game one, they did. Derek Ryan, one of 11 forwards dressed for this team, ended up getting his first playoff goal assisted by Leon Dreisaitl. Arthur Kaliev banged to the ice surface, and now building speed is Dreisaitl, streaking in, cuts to his left, shoots, and that's why rebound score, Derek Ryan. Edmondson takes a 1-0 lead, and this crowd energized early. The time, 2-34, Ryan from Dreisaitl. Winners going 11-7, and they sneak Leon Dreisaitl out of the ice. As Edmonton created a turnover in the neutral ice zone, Dreisaitl with an inside drag move around Brunstrom, directs a shot on goal, gets deflected wide of the net, rebound right back to Derek Ryan. He's in the kill zone for the right of the net, and Edmonton's up 1-0. Connor McDavid has been held off the scoreboard, and that certainly hasn't happened in two consecutive games since the month of October. So it should be no surprise that McDavid would get an assist, and it was a brilliant one, on Leon Dreisaitl's goal on the power play to make it 2-0 Edmonton. McDavid, cross ice, one-timer score! What a pass! Dreisaitl the finish! He's got three in the series, and Edmonton extends to a 2-0 lead. Well, that was an absolute bomb, a tremendous five-way passing play from Edmonton. Four of the five players in the power play touched the puck. Evan Bouchard gets it to the left side half boards to Connor McDavid. And with movement, he slides it through the seam to the right of the net. Nugent Hopkins, McDavid gains zone entry to Nugent Hopkins to McDavid to Bouchard. Left side, top of the circle, and then right side in the kill zone for Leon. It was kind of interesting. Jay Woodcroft dressed 11 forwards and 7 defensemen as he did against the Sharks in the regular season when he decided to put Jason Demers in, the former Shark, in his 700th National Hockey League game at the tank. That was a pretty special night individually for Demers, but this was more of necessity. And Woodcroft talked about his willingness to go with 11 forwards and 7D. I think we have a lot of really good hockey players. I think we've demonstrated over the last year and a half a flexibility in our lineup to go 12 and 6 or 11 and 7. And, um, you know, there are benefits and drawbacks to both alignments. Uh, for us, in the end, we found a way um, to get the two points tonight with the 11 and 7 lineup. Uh, we feel quite comfortable doing it. According to the Edmonton coach, it's pretty easy to put Leon Dreisaitl with anybody. But going on the ice often with Derek Ryan, who scored that first goal, and Clem Costin, 
who got a really big goal in the third period, was an easy decision for him. Yeah, you know what, actually, I think if you would go back to the last um, regular season game in L.A., you would see that that line was used. Um, and I think um, anytime a coach um, puts something together, um, you're watching for how people react to stimulus. And you're watching uh, if a certain type of chemistry can develop. Um, as I said earlier, we have a lot of really good hockey players. And uh, when you move guys like Tricital or McDavid around the lineup, they typically bring the best out in the people they play with. Woodcroft was also pretty happy with his goaltender, Stuart Skinner, a rookie in his very first Stanley Cup playoff series. Yeah, you know what? I, I don't know if someone in the coach's room told me or... I read it somewhere or whatnot, but I think he's the first, is it the first rookie goaltender in Edmonton to win a, a playoff game since Grant Fuhr? He said this the other day when he broke Grant Fuhr's record. Anytime you're mentioning the same sentence with Grant Fuhr, you're doing something right. Needless to say, down 2 nothing again to the Oilers on the road in the playoffs was not a good situation for the Kings. And Kings head coach Todd McClellan was talking about the starts of games being critically important the rest of the way. Well, a couple things. One, they weren't happy the way, with the way the game ended, so they're going to take it up a notch. And two, uh, we didn't handle it well. So the difference between them going up and us falling off a little bit is the answer to your question. But the Philip Dano line has been outstanding for the Kings really all season and definitely in this playoff series. Dano would get his first goal of the postseason at 14:38 of the second period and a nice backhand shot that got the Kings on the board. Anderson... Ahead to Moore, you can sense the urgency rising here. Time ticking away in the second period. Anderson drops it off. Philip Deneau to Trevor Moore. The shot blocked by the Oilers. Ekholm and Kane were in the lane. Moore to Anderson, and Anderson gets it to Kempe in front. Deneau denied. Now he scores on the second attempt, and the LA Kings are alive. Deneau goes to the backhand. Is stopped on the first one, but then the second one as he just kind of fumbles the opportunity, but he stays with and elevates up over the pad of Stuart Skinner. 2-1 game. McClellan said that the energy of that Dan O line was very, very much appreciated, but he says he needs more of it from everybody else. We had a, uh, a good group of players that had energy. It was the ones that didn't, that really lacked it and brought the team down, in my opinion. Uh, so Phil's line had it. It wasn't perfect by any means. They got hemmed in at different times, but the commitment for them to continue on and push through was much greater than some others on our team. Gabe Velarde has been out with an injury, but he came back and got into playoff action against the Oilers and came up with his first postseason goal of the campaign to tie it 2-2. Moore to Velarde, the Kings. Well, an offensive chance here. Velarde puts it home. What a move. And all of a sudden, the Kings have tied it up at two apiece. Watch this. Stay with it. That puck bobbles. Now it's a transitional play in the neutral zone. And Gabe Velarde in his first game this year in a while. Missed the last nine of the regular season in game number one. Walks this one to the net. Great hands in tight. And somehow this one goes in off the pad underneath Stuart Skinner. 
and this game is tied. What a dagger late from Los Angeles Kings right there. Just continues to drive that puck to the net. McClellan said that he was happy with the way Velarde played. Gabe was a little bit like our team. He hadn't played in, what, nine or ten games. Uh, came out in a very fast moving first period and had to get his legs and his his timing underneath him but as the game wore on similar to the team it got better or he got better with the team so after 40 minutes of action it was all even at two what an intense series between the kings and the oilers leon dreisaitl was talking about what the mood was like inside the edmonton dressing room after 40 minutes uh, yeah, there's a little frustration, of course, but, um, you know, there, there's no time to dwell on, on uh, situations or momentum swings like that. They're going to happen. We know that. They happened last year. Uh, we went through it, but uh, I thought we handled it really well, uh, played a really solid third period, and uh, deserved the win. Dreisaitl didn't talk much about the fact that he has three goals and two assists to lead Edmonton in scoring in the playoff series so far after just two games. But he did like to talk about how the club worked together to stand up for Matthias Janmark, who missed the game because of an injury. We're going to miss Yanni for a little bit here. He's a really, really valuable, uh, underrated player on our team um, that plays a lot of um, important minutes and important situations for us. So we're going to miss him, first of all. But um, you know, I think every single guy in our dressing room is ready for whatever ice time he's going to get and he's going to, um, you know, do it, do it the right way and, and do it with pride. Dreisaitl says that playing at center ice instead of on the wing is something that's up to the coaches. He'll do whatever it takes to win regardless of what position he plays. But he feels that he is able to, at the center position, to create more opportunities offensively. Uh, yeah, it's it's definitely a, a different game. I was a little limited uh, last season uh, in the playoffs, obviously, after the injury. So um, had to maneuver around that a little bit. But um, again, I, I feel good. I feel strong right now. And um, whether it's on the wing or at center, um, I can't play D. But um, it, it, it really doesn't matter to me. I, I pride myself in being able to play in, in every situation. For head coach Jay Woodcroft... Dreisaitl is a difference maker every time he steps on the ice. When Leon's fully healthy, I mean, the guy's won a Hart Trophy. Uh, you know, his play speaks for itself. He is a uh, power forward in today's world, the modern day type of power forward with elite skill. And when he plays on the wing, he's dangerous. But when he plays in the middle, he's dangerous as well. And I think when, um, you know, it's a benefit uh, for, for me as a coach to be able to move him around the lineup but i would also say that um you know i think we demonstrated with other people being moved around they can play wing center they can drive their own lines as well and and so for me um like i said earlier we have a lot of really good hockey players and uh, that's a luxury for our coaching staff well that's exactly what happened in the third period and another thing happened too for the edmonton oilers they had a unique new hero step up klim Costin, who scored what proved to be a hugely important tally. Jack Michaels and Bob Stauffer, the call there for Edmonton Oilers Radio in the spectacular atmosphere of Rogers Place. Of course, this playoff atmosphere in Edmonton is something new for Costin, and he talked about what it was like after scoring that goal. It's just insane. I have nothing to say. Just, uh, it's hard to explain. It's really special to play here, to uh, play in front of 
the, those guys, the fans, just insane. Head coach Jay Woodcroft was pretty happy with the physical component and the controlled play that Costin had for much of the game. He's been a good player through both games. Big, physical, um, he works his butt off on the forecheck and on the track. Um, and that goal, you know, you've seen it all year. He has a very, very good shot and he's not afraid to shoot through people. Tonight he did and found, found a spot and, you know, I think um, helped their team settle in. So now the Oilers and the Kings have a split after two games in Edmonton. Jay Woodcroft looks at that as a positive as the teams head to L.A. for Game 3. Well, we have the experience, number one. Um, I can tell you that I'm not worried about what's going to happen uh, four or five days from now. I'm worried about making sure we take care of business with recuperating, resting, and traveling. That's where my mind is, so that we can be in the right headspace to play a complete game in, in game number three. That's something that we've um, pounded into our group um, right from day one, is that if you want to get to where you want to get, to, you got to take care of the day's business. You don't waste energy or worry about uh, things too far down the road. As for Kings coach Todd McClellan, he is looking at a resolve of the club to come back when the series shifts to Los Angeles. Well, that's the positive you could take from it, but it's a poor recipe for um, taking a swing at this team is falling behind. Um, when you're ahead, you have a, uh, obviously a much better chance of checking and not taking as much risk. Uh, as you have to to come back and uh, obviously the start as we talked about with the first question wasn't where it needed to be uh, but again the resilient group worked its way back in uh, the frustrating thing for me is that there were some things that we needed to do early in the game that we didn't decide to do them until the second third period and it was very similar to game one just in case you were wondering about that reaction behind Todd McClellan you're right that was a bunch of Oilers fans outside of the press area chanting as they left the building after that game number two. It's a pretty intense atmosphere, and that's going to move on to Los Angeles for games three and four of this series. And there's a lot more to talk about when it comes to that on the Stanley Cup playoff report. We'll be back right after this on the San Jose Sharks Audio Network. The Sharks believe in innovating to play at their peak, and so does Western Digital. That's why, even after more than 50 years of groundbreaking storage products and technologies, we're most excited about what's next. From gaming platforms to the public cloud, from connected cars to safer cities, from the desktops of Sharks fans to the data centers behind Fortune 500 companies, Western Digital services are fueling a brighter, smarter future. Western Digital, a proud official partner of your San Jose Sharks. The San Jose Sharks Audio Network is on 24 hours a day. Whether you're in the office or on the go, make sure that you download the Sharks SAP Center app presented by Western Digital and hit listen anytime. You can also find us on your computer by going to sjsharks.com slash listen. If it's a game broadcast, breaking news, or a player feature, the place to find it is right here on the San Jose Sharks Audio Network. When you've got a killer lineup, anything's possible. This is true for the Sharks, and it's true for Toyota. Our legendary lineup of capable trucks and versatile SUVs is unrivaled. Ready for what's next, up for any challenge, and down to test limits. Get behind the wheel of a Toyota today and start making some waves. Proud partner of the San Jose Sharks, Toyota. Let's go places.
We continue now with the Sharks Playoff Report on the San Jose Sharks Audio Network. Well, Tracks fans, we're going to stick with the Western Conference as we go over game number two between Dallas and Minnesota. And this is getting to be a nasty, nasty series. A whole bunch of misconducts were awarded in the third period, and Dallas came up with a gigantic victory. Final score in the contest was 7-3 to three in favor of the Stars. A big reason, Rope Hintz. This guy has come through in big games for a number of years for this hockey team. And he became the first NHL player in nearly eight years with an even strength goal, a power Stars play goal, and a short-handed goal in the playoff game. Rope That's quite a hat trick. Just had to survive an early chance. Boldy trying to go five-hole on Ottinger. And then from that, Kiwi Ronta and company very aggressive just inside the blue line. Nobody's going to catch Rope in full gallop. And he comes in full capitulation from Fleury and rips it high glove. The Stars' leader in shorthanded goals in the regular season just exploded this building. And Johansson moves it across, hot, and now here's Hintz, another breakaway, Rope Hintz, scores! Dallas punches right back with a combo of their own! Swept to the near side, Ben protects the puck, softly to Haskinen, and now Robertson into traffic, Hintz, score! Throw the hats! What a night it's been for Rope Hintz. We could see it early on in the game that he had his legs. This one's not about his legs, but it's about timing. And Jason Robertson, one of the guys that we highlighted at the start of the game that needed to elevate his game, he's done so. Of course, no Joe Pavelski in the game, and so he is going to be out for at least the time being as he has been in concussion protocol ever since he took that big hit from Matt Dumba in game number one. Perhaps some of the bad blood from that particular hit carried over into game number two as things did get nasty, as I mentioned. Wild head coach Dean Ebison talked about the temperature of the series and whether it was going to rise even more than it already has. It's playoff hockey. There's a lot of emotions. There's going to be emotions in every game. There's emotions in game one. There's, there's emotions here tonight. One interesting change that will contrast to another series later on in the show was the decision that Everson made to start multiple Stanley Cup champion and veteran Marc-Andre Fleury instead of Philip Gustafson, who played pretty solidly in game number one. It's just it's what we do, right? We've done it all year. Um, it's the, the game. There's no... Nothing was on flower tonight. It was all on us. In his post-game news conference, Everson was asked by the media if there was anything Gustafson should have done or needs to do in order to get two consecutive starts in the playoffs. I don't know how to answer that because both goalies have, have earned, obviously, um, to be in the net. Um, we made the decision to go with flower, and like I said, it, it, they had a shorthanded breakaway and two power play goals. What would you like flower to do? 
right? Um, you know, he made some incredible saves for us. Um, we just spoke of all the odd man rushes that we gave up. Um, you know, I, I'll have to just remember back, another one was a breakaway. Um, another one was a power play. So, like, what, what, that's, that's what, five? So, you know, the, the, we, we gave them their opportunities. They took them, too. Like I said, they, they played really well. Um, but we didn't do the right things in front of our goaltender tonight. Whenever a coach decides to change goaltenders during a series, you have a goaltender controversy to some degree. And so the questions persisted. Is Dean Evison inclined to stick with that rotation and go back to Gustafson for Game 3? It's the same as we always do. We talk about it after the game. We'll talk about it tomorrow. We'll make a decision. It's kind of interesting to analyze this series because these are two very good hockey teams in different ways. It really comes down to one team playing its style of hockey better than the other team tries to play theirs. And Everson talked about that. We have to play our game. We, we, we don't win how we played tonight. So it's pretty simple uh, for us if, if we play like we did tonight and um, that style of game and, and giving up odd man rushes and turning pucks over. We're not going to win if we play the way that we play. And we've had situations throughout the season that were the, the same. Um, when we didn't play the way that the Minnesota Wild play, we lost games. The Wild did get the score to 4-3, to three, so it was close, but no cigar. That wasn't enough for the Wild head coach. Yeah, and actually we had a breakaway that wasn't an offside. Um, and I know it's tough, right? Um, but it was a key point. You know, Bolds has a clear breakaway, second best scorer on our team. But, um, you know, I, it's it's tough. I mean, we, like I said, we, we didn't play very well, obviously. Um, and they played uh, really well. So, um, but yeah, we uncharacteristic, uh, like completely different um, game as far as, you know, defensively and giving up odd man rushes and not not doing the right things, not protecting the, the puck and stuff. And we fed into, they played well, but we fed into it a bit too. What happened to the Minnesota Wild style of play? Was it something that they did or was it more Dallas? Yeah, I don't think we gave up an odd man rush in game one. Um, I don't know. We'll have to watch and see how many we actually gave up. Um, they played great. We did not. One thing's for certain. Everson says that special teams will be a huge part of this series if game two is any indication. And it all comes down to one thing for Dean Everson. Don't repeat the mistakes that you made. He gave us his message to the team regarding a split after two games in Dallas. Well, that's the positive, right? Um, we we have a split here and we are going home so that's the positive obviously we'll we talked a lot about you know this game and it didn't we didn't do what we we're you know what we talked about as a group um you know we have to obviously talk about it again and and uh not make the same mistakes that we made here tonight If you paid attention to a lot of the pundits before the playoffs started, you probably would have thought that the Boston Bruins would waltz their way to the Stanley Cup title after having such an unbelievable season, the greatest in NHL history, with 65 wins and 135 points. But after a victory in front of the crowd at TD Garden in game number one, game two went the Panthers' way. And it started off early with Sam Bennett inserted back into the lineup, coming up big. 
Bennett to the far circle, powers through the circle, can't get a shot away for Hagee, dumped over by Coyle, and Carlo will find it, fails to clear for Boston, in front, Bennett a chance, a shot, he scores, Sam Bennett! He slipped it through the legs of Olmark, and the Panthers are on the board. It's 1-0, 18-18 to go here in the second period. The Bruins failed to clear, and Sam Bennett streaked in, and he's able to beat Olmark down low. Sam Bennett, welcome back to the lineup as he opens the scoring tonight here in the second period. That's Doug Plagans on the call for Florida Panthers Radio. And obviously, there's a lot of excitement about Bennett. For the one-time Calgary Flame, who's found a nice home in Florida, it was a fun night. Yeah, it felt great. Um, you know, it's it's always tough when, when you're out for a while, and, and it was tough watching game one from the press box, but uh, definitely uh, felt, felt great to get right back in it. After Brad Marchand scored for the Bruins, Eric Stahl, that 2006 Stanley Cup champion brought to the Panthers for veteran leadership, showed some. Stall up the far side, Nick Cousins looks across, Eric Stahl, high slot, has a chance, a shot, he scores, top shelf, Eric Stahl puts the Panthers up a goal, it's 2-1. A great setup out in front, Eric Stahl had time, he picked his spot, he beat Olmark upstairs, and the Panthers back in front by a goal. With the Bruins fighting back with a goal by Tyler Bertuzzi to tie the game at two, it was time for Brandon Montour to shine. Down behind the net, Barkov. Back behind the net, the trapezoid. Barkov to Reinhardt. Bank pass out to the far point. Montour. Montour walks in. shot. He scores! Brandon Montour on a wrist shot from the right point. And the Panthers take a 3-2 lead. 22 seconds into the third. Brandon Montour let that one rip. And what a start to the third period for the Panthers. They're back up a goal. Montour would get a second goal in the game. That was in the third period, and it was 5-2 Florida. Out to the far point, Brandon Montour winds, fires, and he scores! A slap shot from the blue line through traffic, and Brandon Montour's got two! The Panthers are up a trio! It's 5-2 with 7.30 to play here in the third. And the Panthers in the driver's seat here in period number three. This period has been all Panthers, and there are already folks calling it a night here in Boston. It's kind of interesting to note that Paul Maurice did not do what Dean Everson did. He came right back with Alex Lyon in game two in goal, in spite of the fact that Lyon had at least one tally that he would like to have back in the first game. For the former Yale University goaltender, it was a great show of confidence, and he enjoyed the atmosphere. It was fun. I, I really enjoy playing in that atmosphere. Um, it's just, it's, it's fun for me. I get energized. And so um, just helps, I don't know. It's just, it was just fun, a good time. Um, happy we got the win. Uh, very talented, very good opponent. And so now's not the time to take our foot off the gas. And I think that's where our focus has to remain. With the victory on the road, the Panthers now have home ice for the rest of the series. And that's what Matthew Kachuk was thinking about. After game one, um this is all that was on their mind. I mean, we've we put ourselves in a position where we have home ice right now. It's about hanging on to it as long as possible. But uh, if you would have told me right after game one, like I'm pretty sure you did, what's the goal for game two? It's like just get a win somehow, some way, get it. And we did, and we're going back to Florida even. So we'll take the split and run. For Panthers coach Paul Maurice, it's a building process that has to continue in game three in South Florida. 
Yeah, you can't get too far behind anybody, certainly not a team like the Boston Bruins the season they've had this year. So you build a little belief in each game. That's what we're trying to do. We'd be more than happy to play seven of them. We'd be fine with that. Uh, grind it as hard as we can for as long as we can. As for the Bruins, they are already thinking about returning their captain, Patrice Bergeron, to action. And even though it's not quite time to do that yet, he was on the ice in, before the Bruins left for South Florida. Coach Jim Montgomery talked about seeing him out there. Hey, this is a human being that doesn't get rattled. He's holding up great. He carries himself with such, um, like, his confidence is... Um, it gives energy to everybody else that everything's okay. You know what I mean? That's just the way he carries himself on good days, bad days. You wouldn't know it. So obviously he's he's in real good spirits mentally and physically. Um, just wishes he could be on the ice with us right now, right? Montgomery also talked about the new adversity that the Bruins were facing, and he says his club has the resiliency to deal with being without Bergeron for an extended period. For me, we have a next man up mentality all year long, and... You know, I think our record's still 6-1, and 5-1 and one without him in the lineup. Everyone's thinking about the one loss right now, right? Because that's what's most recent. That's human nature, you know? But there's a lot of confidence in our group of what we can do no matter who's in the lineup. In the Carolina Islanders series, Coach Rod Brindamore of the Hurricanes is certainly wondering who's going to be in his lineup after losing yet another player, Tavo Teravainen, to injury. 425 marker, he broke his hand. With the puck, takes a shot. The guy absolutely tomahawk chops him. Absolutely. And I know we had all the power plays, so you're not going to make it a five on three. Go take a look at the video. And he's out for the series. So there you go. And they're going to complain about all power plays, but the tomahawk chop, and we just watched it. He has to have surgery tomorrow. There you go. So I'm a little pissed, to be honest with you. Yes, folks, the Stanley Cup playoffs are intense, and it's only just getting started. We've already got some great Game 2s coming up. Tampa Bay against Toronto in Toronto, leading one game to nothing. The Rangers with a one-games-to-nothing lead over the Devils playing in New Jersey for Game 2. Seattle traveling to Colorado and trying to take an astounding two-games-to-nothing lead in the series. And, of course, Winnipeg and Vegas with the Jets holding serve with a one-game-to-nothing lead. It is fascinating, and we've got it for you a couple of times a week right here on the Stanley Cup Playoff Report. Drew will be back tomorrow. I'm Dan Rusinowski. Thanks for joining us. You've been listening to the Stanley Cup Playoff Report. This has been a presentation of the San Jose Sharks Audio Network.